Welcome, and thank you for tuning into the Promise Center's weekly podcast. We hope that this message blesses you and encourages you to take your next step in following Jesus. As always, feel free to check us out at www.thepromisecenter.com for more information on our church, what we're doing to make a difference in Sonoma County, and how you can partner with us. God bless, and enjoy this week's message. Amen. Okay, now you can take your seat. And open up your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Thank you for the romantic music up there. I appreciate that this morning. Can we give the worship team a big hand today for leading us in an awesome time of worship? Luke chapter 24, verse 13. We're going to read a whole section of Scripture this morning. So if you're behind on your U version for the year. We'll get you all caught up right now. Luke 24, 13. It says this, that very day two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Their eyes were kept from recognizing him. So they drew near to the village in which they were going. He acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. Skip down to verse 29. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to him, did not our hearts burn within us when he talked to us on the road and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were there gathered together, saying, the Lord has risen indeed. And he has appeared to Simon. And then they told what had happened on the road and how he was made known to them. In the breaking of the bread. How he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. If you want to give this message a title this morning, why don't you title this message, Piece It Together. Piece it together. Someone turn to your neighbor and say, piece it together. And turn to your second choice neighbor and say, piece it together. (laughs) And apologize for that. I want to bring a message today on the last day of the year. As we embark into a new year, I'm going to bring a message of some perspective today on how God works in our lives. For some of you, 2017 may have been the best year ever. And you may be in the room today on top of the world. Others of you, you are ready to close the door on 2017. And I know for a lot of people, it's been a tough year. In fact, um, I, I was actually scheduled to be here several weeks ago, just a few days after a fire would, would come and come through this city, and that obviously uh, rescheduled, and, and I know that this town and this city and this area has been affected this year. You know, and just so you know, we stood with you, we prayed with you, and continue to pray that God would just show himself faithful for everyone affected in that. So no doubt we're coming in with different seasons different perspectives on the year, and I just want to offer you a thought this morning as we head into 2018 on what 
I believe God might be doing in all of our lives. Let's go some context on this verse. This verse we started with this morning is the disciples on the road to Emmaus. It's resurrection day. The disciples just don't know it yet. Jesus is alive. The, the, this story is happening in the aftershocks of the event that would change history. The disciples just aren't aware. In fact, they're the opposite. They're very discouraged on this day because all they know is that Jesus is dead. And they're, they're, their Savior, their hope is gone. It, it, it didn't turn out how they thought it would. And these men that were walking on the road to Emmaus this day, they were actually walking in the opposite direction of where they should have been going. They were actually walking away from the gathered believers in Jerusalem. And isn't it like the enemy to want to take us out in our moment of discouragement and send us away from the very place we should be, which is with God's people in his house, with his purposes. And yet on this day, they were walking very much away from the things of God. And I love what happens on the road to Emmaus this morning because Jesus shows up. And Jesus shows up as only Jesus can show up. Jesus shows up with the ultimate Jesus juke. He shows up. Of course, he's resurrected now. And, and resurrected Jesus is really cool Jesus, by the way. Like, he can just, like, show up places. Because now he's not, like, a man anymore. And, and so, so he, he could just, like, show up and disappear. And on this day, he does the ultimate. He shows up, and he actually conceals his identity from them. Can you imagine being able to do this, by the way? Can you imagine, the, the, like, being able to eavesdrop on conversations about yourself with people? Like, Jesus shows up and walks with these, and they don't know it's Jesus, so they end up having a conversation with Jesus about Jesus. Like, this is pretty amazing, right? And, and, and so they're, they're walking down the road, they're having this conversation with Jesus about Jesus, and he's talking to them, and they could sense something's up, but they don't know what. And So then they get to where they're staying, and it's getting on toward night. And Jesus does the thing where you know when you want the invite to dinner, but you haven't been invited. And you like hint severely. Because the thing about it, the Bible says he acted as if he was going further. He wasn't going further. He, he had a plan for something he wanted to do inside that house. But he, he acted as if he was going further. Hey, so uh, what are you guys doing? Well, what's the plan for dinner? He, he wanted the invite because he was up. To something, and finally he gets the invite. He comes in, and a miracle happens. And Jesus reveals himself to his disciples. Hope is restored. Like life is, is, is now on a different trajectory, and it says this that he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. He was, I want you to remember that. He was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Someone say, piece it together. So my daughter, I have a, a daughter, one daughter, she's six. In fact, I have a picture of my family up here. This is my wife, Lindsay. She would love to be here today. She, we've been married for over 13 years, love of my life. And this is my daughter. If you can't tell, she has a little bit of personality. Um, during this photo shoot, this is the only pose she would do. The entire day. Um, so that's all we have for family photos. And um, she is a fireball. She would love to get up here and preach this morning, by the way. 
Uh, she's our little little preacher in the making. So my daughter loves Legos. Does anybody else in the room love Legos? Any Lego ner- Lego nerds unite in the room? Like I am not one of you, by the way. Um, I am married to one of you. My wife is also a Lego nerd. I have neither the skill nor the dexterity nor the patience to assemble Legos. I would rather poke myself with a dull pencil in the eye than assemble anything made of Legos. But these two you see with me are Lego nerds. They love, love, love Legos. My daughter's obsessed with them. We own far too many sets of them. We had to organize all the excess pieces by color in her bedroom, and it takes up a whole wall. And anyways, that's a that's for another day. And, and she, she loves Legos. She loves she can build random things, and she loves playing with Legos once they're assembled. But there's a problem. The problem is that up until recently, she couldn't assemble any set of Legos. She couldn't put it together. I mean, she could build, like, random things, and just now she can build, like, the little boring stuff, like the stuff that no one buys, you know? Like, she can't build the big houses and the big castles and the big stuff. We have to do all that work for her. She loves playing with it when it's done but she can't assemble the pieces to get it from the box to the finished product anybody know what i'm talking about kids with legos by the way we have wood floors in our house anyone ever stepped on a lego on a wood floor in the middle of the night yeah bless it bless it in jesus name what what so how do you shop for Legos when you go to the store? She loves when we say, we're going to the Lego store. How do you, what does it look like when you go to the store? You go to the aisle and, and the Lego sets are there and you go down the aisle and you say, you know what? This Lego Friends set looks awesome. I really believe our lives would be changed if we owned this set of Legos right here. And, and of course, now she checks the age and it's age appropriate. And so, man, we're going to go home with with this set of Lego Friends Legos. It looks awesome. I think we probably have that one, actually. Here's the problem. You shop for Legos by the picture on the box. Like, I'm buying that house. But there's a problem. When you get home and you open the box, you don't find that. You find this. (laughs) Pieces. I didn't buy pieces. I, I bought the picture on the box. I didn't sign up for this. Um, this gives me hives. Uh, just looking at this right now, like this, this, this like makes me nervous. Um, I wanted the picture. I don't have time for this. I don't understand this. This confuses me. This. And here's the question I came to ask you today. Just to frame in. Where you might be as we head into a new year. Here's the question I came to ask you today. What do you do when the pieces of your life don't look like the picture that was promised? What do you do when life didn't turn out the way you thought it would? What do you do when your life looks like a pile of broken pieces? When you feel like God has more for you. You see, today it's church. It's Sunday. It's New Year's Eve. We're in an atmosphere of faith. We're here. We're we're praying. We're worshiping. We're believing God for more. I'm here to tell you that God is good and God is faithful, and He is. And, And everything we say today is true, but the problem is that many times we leave the faith of a Sunday, and we enter the chaos sometimes of a Monday, or the reality of a Monday, and our life ends up looking a lot more like this sometimes than the picture on the box. A thing we felt God had promised for us. 
the thing we felt like he had for us, what do you do when the pieces of your life don't look like the picture that was promised? The disciples were there that day on the road to Emmaus. Jesus said he would rebuild it, but he hadn't. It didn't seem like this thing had turned out the right way. What do you do? What do you do? I want to show you something this morning. Something that has deeply helped me over the last year, maybe 18 months in my life. Something that gave me perspective in tough times. Something that guided me, that, 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 that framed in how God works for me. I want to show this to you this morning. Because I believe maybe it might help someone today who is in this situation saying, my life looks like a pile of broken pieces today. When we see Jesus with the disciples, he comes into the home with them. And it says these words. It says he took the bread, he blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. Follow it. He took it. He blessed it. He broke it, and he gave it. He took it, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it. This is actually a pattern that shows up in the life of Jesus. We see this exact usage of words several times in Jesus' ministry. A few days before, I believe it's Matthew 26, a few days before, they were having the last supper before Jesus was crucified, and it says this, now take it, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to his disciples. When Jesus was feeding the 4,000 and the 5,000, it says that he would take food, small amounts of food, and he took it, and blessed it, and broke it, and gave it. And I believe this is a pattern that shows up not just for lunch. I believe this is a pattern that actually Jesus uses in our lives. I want to show you this. If for our analogy today, I want you to think of the bread as your life. I want you to think of the bread as your life, something God created to use to feed a lost and a hungry world. The truth of the matter is that as believers, we're not here on our own. That we're here for a mission. And we're here for a purpose. This morning, rooftops away from your home, rooftops away from this building, someone around here woke up dying to know Jesus, even if they don't know it yet. Think of the people in your world, your, the, the co-workers, the neighbors, the family, the friends, the people in your life that you know that don't know Jesus yet. Your life and my life may not be perfect, but the truth of the matter is today that we woke up with hope. Life may not be perfect. Life may not be going smoothly, but at least we woke up with hope. Think about the people right around you that woke up this morning without that same hope. They may have made the worst decision of their life last night, waking up without hope today. And could it be that Jesus wants to use you to feed lost and hungry people that he is here to seek and save the lost? Could it be... That we're supposed to be here on a mission. So I want you to think of your bread or your life as bread this morning. It's something God wants to use significantly in this world. And it says he took the bread. The taking of the bread represents the calling of our lives. Has God ever spoken to you about something he wanted to do in you or through you? I remember being saved as, as a 13-year-old in church. I grew up in church, but I remember that being the day where I, like, I crossed the line. You know, my life was different from that day. I remember being 16 years old in a youth camp, feeling called into ministry, just feeling that call, feeling like 
Jesus had something for me. That one moment has now echoed throughout my entire life. Has Jesus ever spoken to you? A, a time where he, he, he spoke to you, something he wanted to do through you, something he wanted to do in you. He's so faithful to do that. Maybe for someone that would even happen this morning. A dream would be awakened. God would drop something in your heart that will end up being the seed of something great in the future. He is faithful, and the process begins with a calling. And it says he took the bread, and he blessed the bread. The blessing of the bread represents the qualification of our lives. So now that he's called us to do something, now he's got to get us ready for that very thing he's called us to do. Because we don't arrive fully assembled. We don't arrive fully healed, fully ready, fully prepared. God, has, it's as if he's gone before us. He's made a way for us to do something. Now he's got to get us ready for the very thing he already has ready for us. He's got to grow us up and he prepares us through the process. He is in the process of preparing you for what he's already prepared for you. So right, and, and we like this season, by the way. This is a fun season. Like when I look back at my life, I can see life, my life wasn't perfect. But I can see how the fingerprints and the hand of God was on my life, perfectly preparing me not to live your potential, to live my potential, to live out my calling. And the great thing about the kingdom of God is I have a lane, and you have a lane, and we all have a lane for the kingdom of God, but we can all finish first. We can all cross the line and hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. You, 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 you did your job. You were faithful to your call. We can all, because God is in the process of preparing us and, and getting ready to use us. And we love this season because we're, we're, we're feeling blessed and prepared by God. And we're like, okay, God, I'm ready. Send me to the world, Jesus. I'm ready to make a difference. I'm ready to do something for your kingdom. There's a problem. And that is there's another step coming. It says he took the bread, he blessed the bread, and he broke the bread. He broke the bread. Yeah, we don't like this step. <laughs> we don't like the breaking seasons in our lives. The breaking of the bread represents the humbling of our lives. Before God can use us, he has to know that we are totally dependent on him. Before God can send us out into everything that he has for us, he has to first know that we know him as the all-sufficient God that he is. The breaking of the bread represents the humbling of our lives. This, these are the seasons when things enter your life that don't, you don't understand. These are the seasons where things enter your life where all manner of adversity is coming against you. This is where your life looks more like pieces rather than the picture. This is where things don't make sense. Things don't add up. God, I thought you spoke to me. I thought you said my family would be serving you, but I have a son or a daughter right now that is away from you. I don't understand this right now. God, you spoke to me about that thing you wanted me to do, but now I'm sick with cancer. How do I reconcile that? God, I lost my job, and I'm just trying to provide for my family. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The breaking seasons of our life when life doesn't quite make sense. 
You know, you can actually be in the will of God and experience adversity simultaneously. That adversity is not necessarily a sign you are out of God's will. Adversity can actually be the very thing he uses to finish the job on the inside of you because he wants you to know that the thing that he's calling you to do is not something you'll do on your own. He wants you to know him in his power, in his strength, as the all-sufficient God that he is. So he's got to get you to that point where you're on your knees, where you're at your point of last resort saying, God, if you don't come through for me, I don't know how this is going to happen. And it's in those moments when your back is up against the Red Sea with an army coming against you where only God can see you through. It's in those moments where his power is shown the strongest and his light shines the brightest and his truth stands assured. And you can know beyond the shadow of a doubt God brought me here because he brought me here by his power and by his strength and nothing else would have done this for me. That's the point he wants to bring you to. In the breaking seasons, the problem is it's just not pleasant. It's just, and I can't even give you a fast-forward button out of it. If I had an easy button, I would give it to you this morning. What I can offer you is this. Jesus doesn't always push fast-forward on the breaking seasons of our life. But he does offer us grace to see us through. I was in a tough season a little over a year ago, and I was at a point one day I was praying to God about just a lot, a lot of stuff was coming against us in ministry and on team, and I mean, I was at the point where if something didn't change, I was going to be done, and I've faithfully built our family and our lives around serving Jesus, but I was just kind of at that point, and the verse that God dropped into my spirit this morning, I wasn't even like necessarily praying or even really faith-filled at this moment. I was just, had a moment and God dropped about the thorn in the flesh, the thorn in the flesh. And I went and looked up the verse where Paul describes and pleads to God to take away the thorn in his flesh. And what do we see? You know the story. What do we see the response from heaven in that moment when Paul's begging for this thing to be taken away from him? It wasn't that heaven came through and just took it away. The response of God to him in that moment was, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, so much of our lives, we live under what is called restraining grace. We live under a side of God's grace where he keeps things from us that would harm us and would take us out, right? This is God as protector, God as provider, God as healer. So much of our lives as believers, we live under this restraining grace where he holds back the flood that would take us out. Every once in a while, though, we see a different side of his grace, and it's called sustaining grace. And the idea behind sustaining grace is actually that he allows things into our lives that actually could take us out. But he buoys us and keeps us safe and, and sustains us during the trial in order to show his power. In order to show, in other words, he wants you to know him in a way you wouldn't have known him. Without this thing being in your life. So Paul's thorn in his flesh. The greatest thing God did for Paul was not remove the thorn. Do you understand this this morning? The greatest response of heaven was for him to not remove the thorn. Because by not removing the thorn, Paul experienced a whole new side of the grace of God. He never would have experienced if God answered that prayer of his. 
And some of you need to hear this today because you're facing something tough and you've questioned God. And you've asked God, God, why am I dealing with this? Why am I sick? Why do I lack? Why have you not come through? And I believe the, vo the word of the Lord for you today is that there is a sustaining grace he wants you to see. He wants you to see his power and his character in a whole new way through this trial. God never promised the weapon wouldn't form against you. He just promised the weapon wouldn't prosper against you. But he never said it wouldn't form. God didn't call Joshua to feel strong when he took leadership. He called him to be strong. But he never called him to feel strong. If you feel weak today, and you feel at your end, and you feel spent, the word of the Lord from that verse of Paul and the thorn in the flesh is my strength is made perfect in weakness. That actually that thing in your life, that trial, those breaking seasons could be there for a far greater purpose. I hope this is helping somebody this morning. I hope this is giving somebody perspective. And I guess I wanted you to hear this deep in your heart today as the worship team comes. I wanted you to hear this deep in your heart today. The blessing isn't actually in the blessing. The blessing is in the breaking. That which refuses to be broken refuses to be blessed. That the blessing is actually in the breaking. If you're facing a tough season, count it all joy. And realize you're blessed. Because you have an opportunity ahead of you. An opportunity to trust God like you've never trusted Him before. And I stand here this morning as someone who had, before I could give you this message, I had to live this. And I've had moments, even in the past few months, out walking, praying, telling God, I don't know how you're going to do this. You said you would do this, and I don't, I don't know how you're going to do this. And yet I can stand here today as a testament to say he has never failed me to this day. Impossible is where God starts. I hope you understand this. Miracles are what God does. Until it's impossible, you don't even need God. Until it's, until, until it's impossible, you can just do it on your own. But when you're at the point when you're saying, God, this is impossible, that's when the God of the impossible can show up. In that space, the blessing is in the breaking. So he took the bread. He blessed the bread. He broke the bread. And then he was faithful. He gave the bread. And their eyes were opened, and they saw Jesus. And I guess I just came here to say, you and I have one shot at life. We have got one set of lungs. We've got one shot to make our lives count for the kingdom of God. What are you going to do in 2018? What are you going to do to make your life count for Jesus, the one who gave it all for you in the first place? The truth is that we are not our own anymore. Those of us that are believers, that are Christ followers, we're not our own. We were bought at a price. Like our lives don't even belong to us anymore. We belong to Jesus. And the day we think that life is about me having my stuff, my house, my job, I, all that stuff is fine and good, but it's all for a greater purpose. And that's for Jesus to be made known on this earth. I wonder what you could do this year. How Jesus wants to prepare you so that he can give your life to people and spaces and a world and a city that desperately needs to know him. In fact, in fact, 
I believe God is, I believe this is not just a word for this, for individuals. I believe this is a word for this house. That some of the things that God allowed in, adversity of moving buildings, that's chaos. That's chaos, as your pastor can well attest. It's chaos moving buildings. And that you had a fire and you, you, you had so many things. And yet, could it be that God is raising up here a remnant church to declare the goodness and the promise of God to a city that desperately needs to know him? And it's just like he brought a city to its knees. You know, never despise the things that bring you to your knees, by the way. Because they drew you to Jesus. And could it be that he brought a city to its knees so that his light could shine in his people? And I'm just saying today, he wants to give you away to a world that desperately needs to know him. We just have to piece it together this morning. We have to piece it together and realize the work that God is doing even when we can't see it through the trials. I close with this this morning. Mark chapter 8, this, there's this amazing story. The disciples, a little bit of context for you here. The disciples have just seen Jesus feed thousands, okay? Context. Context matters in the Word. They've just seen him multiply a snack and feed thousands. This is important information here, okay? Mark chapter 8, 14. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread. They're now on a boat in a storm. They had forgotten to bring bread except for the one loaf they had with them on the boat. Be careful, Jesus warns. He gives them a warning. They discussed this matter with one another and said, it's because we have no bread. So like, okay, you're on a boat with Jesus, the one who just fed thousands out of a snack, and you're talking about how you have no bread. The disciples were amazing and they changed the world, but they were a little dense at times. Can we agree with this? Like... Okay, Jesus just fed thousands out of a snack, and now you're talking about having no bread. Like, can we connect some dots here on what could happen? And what I'd like aware of their discussion, Jesus said, Why are you talking about having no bread? Like, can you imagine him? Like, seriously? Do you still not understand? Or are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see? He even starts insulting them here. Do you have ears but fail to hear? Don't you remember when I broke the five loaves and the 5,000, how many baskets full you had to pick up? When I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They said seven. He answered to them, do you still not understand? You know what he was saying to them, guys? Piece it together. The same God that did that then is the same God that's able to do this now. Like, I know what you're facing seems tough. I know what you're facing seems, seems insurmountable, but the same God that did that then in your life is the same God that's able to do this now. Look back at the faithfulness of God. He's got a faithful track record. He's got good character. He's got sure promises. Even look around this room. This room isn't perfect, but this room is made up of miracle after miracle after miracle of lives that should be lost, and lives that should be broken, but have found hope because of Jesus. And the same God that did it for that person over there and that person over there is the same God that's able to do it in your situation now today. We just have to piece it together. We have to piece it together. So my prayer today is that we would not be like those disciples on the boat going, Jesus, how are you going to do this? We would just run to the promises of God. And remember, He is true, He is faithful, and He is faithful to His Word. In Philippians chapter 4 and 13, it says, I can do all things through Christ Jesus 
who strengthens me. Mark 10, 27 says, all things are possible with God. 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he in me than he that is in the world. Numbers 13, 30 says, we are well able to overcome it. Ephesians 3.20 says, God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. First Corinthians 2 says, my eye has not seen, my ear has not heard, nor has it entered into my heart what God has for me. Romans 8.31 says, if our God is for us, then who can be against us? Romans 8.11 says, the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of me. Second Corinthians 2.14 says, but thanks be be to God, who in Christ Jesus always leads us in triumphant procession. If you're weary this morning, he is strong. If you're lacking, he is provision. If you have limitations, he is limitless. I know that we're finite, but our God is infinite. You might fail, but our God never fails. That is the promise of his word today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, piece it together. Piece it together. The same God that did that then is the same God that's able to do this now. So if you're facing something tough today, if you're in a broken season, I want to pray for you. I, I came here today believing for miracles. I came here believing for a demonstration of God's power in your life. I came here believing that even, even um, today, or even this week, that, that something would turn for you. That Jesus might demonstrate to you he's with you. If you're in a broken season in your life, or you just want to take a stand in faith over a situation in your life, I want you to stand to your feet right now. Bold, full of boldness, full of faith. Stand to your feet. Whatever you're facing right now, I want to pray for you. I want to believe God for you. I want to speak the word over you today. We serve a God of miracles. The same God that was able to do that then is the same God that's able to do this now. Lift your hands if you would. Father, I thank you today. The beauty of this moment, Jesus, is you know every story. You're not just writing the story. You are the author. You are finishing the story. And I came here, Father, full of faith this morning, believing the same God that fed the thousands, the same God that parted the Red Sea, the same God that healed countless people is the same Jesus that's here today. And Jesus, I pray that you would invade every situation represented here today. I pray you would flood every heart with peace today. I pray you would demonstrate your power today in Jesus' name. I pray we would know the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God. I pray, God, that you would make a way in the wilderness where there seems to be no way. I pray, Father, that you would be light, that you would be truth. I speak against the enemy today in Jesus' name. I speak against the devourer. I declare you have no hold over our lives today in Jesus' name. I cancel your assignments on the authority of the Word of God. I declare sick bodies healed today in Jesus' name. I declare financial need met today in Jesus' name. I declare relationships healed today in Jesus' name. I declare lost sons and daughters saved today in Jesus' name. By your power, by your strength. Do it today, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And God, may we trust you in the process. Even when the answer doesn't come, may we still hold on in faith. Because he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.
Would you all stand to your feet with me this morning? Can we thank God for all that he's already done? Come on, can we thank God? He's so faithful. He's so good.